Next week is the week that we want to get everybody in here, your friends, your family, your neighbors, your mom, your dad, your uncle, your brother, whoever you got, right? Uh, next week's the week that we're going to have like an official, I'm calling it a housewarming worship gathering because it's like our little family has a new house and we want to have a housewarming party, but it's actually a worship gathering. So uh, we want to be clear that we're going to have a worship service next Sunday morning, but it's a housewarming day, right? So that you can bring all your friends and family even if they're never going to come back, that's okay. We want people to be exposed to what you're getting to be a part of and what God's leading us through. So um, I made these little postcards yesterday. It's in the form of a postcard. If I'd have had these done last week, you could have mailed them. I didn't have them done last week. So if you mail them, it may not make it to that person in time. Uh, you can take that chance or you can hand deliver these. It's got a picture of our space on the front. That way they know exactly what they're walking into. It's kind of an interesting space, right? So they're like, ooh, that's different. I want to see what you're a part of, right? So you can give them this on the back. It says that we're having a housewarming worship gathering. Got a little bit of info, time, all that stuff. We're going to have a sandwich lunch afterwards. We'll get deli trays like we've done before, uh, and we'll have that, have big balloons over the door and all these fun stuff. So all of you come back. All of you give these. We've got these right here. Uh, you can grab these, and we've got some more on that table right there. Um, but I'm asking each and every one of us to invite, hand those cards out, get your mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, neighbor, friends, and enemies just to come see what's going on, right? Uh, like I said, even if they never come back, even if you know that beforehand, that's okay. That's okay. This is just an open day housewarming party. We want to celebrate what God's doing. Easter? When is Easter? 21st. This, I'm going to announce that again. Easter, Bridgetown, the church in Little Rock that we've helped start. Uh, they will be with us. Now I've got a little bucking bull that's going to be in my way as we take notes this morning, so I'm going to do this. Bridgetown's going to worship with us. They're coming here on Easter. So we'll have two churches, one location. If all goes well, we'll have people standing on the sidewalk because this place is not that big. Um, so, uh, really excited to have them worship with us on Easter. Uh, the reason we ended up here is because we have two kid rooms. They have one kid room, half as big as one of ours. We got two kid rooms, and Richard said, "Hey, let's go to your place because you got room for kids." So, excited about that. That's enough announcements. I'm exhausted. I don't like announcements. All right. So, about a year. When did we start this? October of 2000, that sounds horrible to say, but I think that's correct, right? We had a party at my house October 2017, um, and uh, we grilled, looked a lot like last night, uh, but we had anybody and everybody at my house for a little grill party. At that grill party, I told a story. Out of everybody that's here, only three of you were at that grill party to hear that story. Do y'all remember who I told a story about? That's almost true. It's almost true. That's almost true as well, yeah. You see how well stories stick? Jesus was a better storyteller than me because everybody remembers his stories. Right, right. So there's, there's bits of... So what we're going to do, I'm going to tell that story again because it became relevant this week. I was at Riverside Grocery. I was taking a run. And um, I just, I don't know if you've ever had the Holy Spirit just tell you to stop and go somewhere. But he told me that, right? So I was wanting to get back in my truck and leave and go home. I just finished a run. I was done. And just felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, stop and go down to the river and visit with this man. had no reason to, but I did. Um, because I've disobeyed the Holy Spirit enough that I know it's better to go with Him than to go against Him. So in that moment, I actually went, and I was obedient, and I went down. There was this man standing at the river. Funny thing was, there was a young couple. I said, I want to go visit with them, Lord. And he said, no, go visit with this man. Uh, So I did, went and visited with this man. He's standing by the river, and he's just kind of wandering, looking. He's just there by himself, hanging out the river. I said, hey, ma'am. Uh, my name's Josh. He said, hey, I'm Ken. Ken. It's his name, Ken. 
Right. So his name is Ken. Ken's standing down by the river. Uh, we made a little chit-chat, a little small talk. Um, I said, what you doing? Uh, I, said, I said, what are you doing? He said, just looking. Just hanging out. He wouldn't, he wouldn't give me much. Um, made a little more small talk. Uh, found out that Ken had been living in northwest Arkansas for the last number of years pursuing his career. He worked for a large company that we all know by the name of Walmart. Uh, he worked for the corporate. Um, apparently, he had worked his way up the ranks. He was very important. He made a lot of money, pursued all that, and was very effective at building a career and building his finances. He became a very important man in the corporate setting there. Uh, I said, well, wh- what's brought you back to Benton? I said, what, what's brought you here? And he told me this. This is what he said. Trying to find my roots. I'm here just trying to find my roots. Right? He was from Benton originally. When he was a young man, he left to pursue money. He left to pursue a career. Uh, In that process, he had had a wife. He had had children. Uh, If I remember correctly, uh, his wife had died and his family had left him. And he had left him with nothing but his career, right? And so everything that he had set out to pursue probably 20, 30 years before that had completely been taken away from him, and he had nothing left. Uh, So here he is, a man in his 50s, standing on the riverbank uh, by himself trying to find his roots, trying to find his roots. Um, Interestingly enough, by the time we finished talking, here's what I learned about Ken. And, And this is the first time I've told this story in about a year and a half. So by this point, Ken has probably passed away because when I talked to him, doctors gave him 10 months to live. He had been giving a death sentence because of his uh, sickness. Um, so by this, by this point, Ken is probably no longer with us, no longer trying to find his roots. He has gone to his eternal destination, right? Um, but he had been given 10 months to live, and at this point he was trying to find his roots. And he told me, interestingly enough, he told me about his childhood in Benton. He told me about playing baseball. He told me about his family, his friends, all these things. And that's what roots was for him. He was trying to, he, he had left to pursue one thing, and a number of years down the road realized that there was nothing in it. And now everything's been stripped away, and he longs for what he had when he began. He longs to return to that special, unique thing that he was calling roots. But I'm paraphrasing what he said. And he was looking for home. He's trying to find his way back home. Right? But the interesting thing was for Ken, he'd been gone for 30 years and home no longer existed. It was gone. Everybody that he associated, everything that he associated, it it was completely changed and completely gone. Um, So I want to ask you this. What was it in home that Ken was actually looking for? We say that you're looking, it's it's like home, right? Or Ken's trying to find that sense of home again. What is it we're actually looking for when we think about that sense of of home? Belonging. Great. Yeah, belonging. It's like there's deep connections with other people. They belong to you and you belong to them, right? That's home. What else? Safety and security. Yeah. Security. Now, some of you didn't grow up in a home that was secure, but you know to associate security with home. Right? Even if your home wasn't a safe place, you knew that that was evidence of sin and brokenness and things weren't right because home is supposed to be a place and a people of security. 
right? So what does that security go to? I think there's a couple different layers of what we find security. Two come to my mind. We have, like, physical security. Because in home, you've got authority figures that are going to protect and oversee you. But you've also got what other kind of securities? Emotional security. What does it take to have emotional security? Okay. And in order to have emotional security through people that care about you, you have to be able to be yourself and know that they still care. Like if you can be as screwed up as you can be and people don't leave, but they continue to draw into you, now there's security. It's like, oh, I, I exposed myself. And they didn't hurt me. They didn't use who I am against me to destroy me. So now I have emotional security. So what else is in that sense of home? Anything? Place of rest. Yes. Rest. And that comes through security. If you don't have security, you don't have rest. So now we have emotional and physical rest in our homes because we have emotional and physical security. Great. Um, and I got one that goes with rest. It's peace. It's a place of peace. Home's supposed to be a place. Now, my home has a lot of screaming, a lot of yelling, and a lot of fighting. But even through all of the chaos, there's still this sense of peace, right? There's still a sense of peace through it all. This week I'm doing, uh, last week I was doing a job in North Little Rock, and I grew up in North Little Rock. I grew up, first 16 and a half years of my life were in North Little Rock. Um, and interestingly enough, uh, the job that Shelly and I have got, um, she designed it, now I'm doing it, I'm doing the install. Uh, it's about a mile and a half from the house that I grew up in, right? Really weird because this is the second job within that space that we've had in the last year. The first one was about half a mile from my childhood home. Um, so here we are working in my childhood neighborhood, and uh, I took my running shoes with me because Mark was going to make me do something stupid yesterday and run 12 miles with them, so I needed to get at least a few miles in before Saturday. So on Thursday, I, I, I geared up and I took a run through my childhood neighborhood. So I ran down the, the bike path that I grew up riding alongside the creek, Then I ran up the hill, the same hill that I used to dribble my basketball down to get to the YMCA to play Saturday morning basketball. And now I'm running back up it as a 39-year-old man. And the same block that I used to walk my dog after dinner with my parents, right? We'd eat dinner together, and then we'd leash the dog and walk around the block, the three of us. I, I took a jog around that same block. I saw the same houses that I used to sell candy to. Every time we do a fundraiser. Um, and it's really weird because it's 23 years ago that I left there. But I go back 23 years later and it still immediately feels like home. Like I'm sitting at the stoplight coming back to Benton. And i got to go left to go to Benton. But something inside me pulls me to the right to go to the driveway. You know, it's like it's wired into me and it still feels like home. And I got to thinking about that this week, and that's what brought me back to Ken. Is ever since I left that town and I left that neighborhood, there have only been a handful of times that I have felt as at home as I did then. Ever since I left, I've, I've, there's only a handful of experiences that I can go to that says, I have ever felt as at home as I did when I lived there. All right. It's hard to recapture that. It's hard to, to remanufacture that. So what are the descriptions? If you don't feel like you're at home, then what do you feel like? You feel like an outsider. Outsider, yeah. So what are the descriptions of feeling like an outsider? If this is what it feels like to feel at home, what's it feel like to be an outsider? 
unwanted. Yeah, so I no longer belong, but now I may feel unwanted. What else does feeling like an outsider consist of? Lonely, alone. Isn't it interesting that when you're an outsider, you can be in a, you can be in a group of hundreds or thousands and feel completely alone. Others have called that crowded loneliness. In fact, your old pastor is where I learned that term from: crowded loneliness, because he experienced it and it drove him into a very deep situation. Right? He always surrounded himself with people, was always the center of attention. Yet you feel alone. Because even though you're in the crowd, you feel like an outsider. What else? What goes with being the outsider? Discontentment. Did you listen to our podcast from last week? You should go back and listen to our podcast from last week. That's why I wear a microphone. Not because you can't hear me, but because we have a podcast. And you can catch up on any weeks that you missed. And last week we talked about discontentment. Okay, so just a plug for what Stephen does on the side. Uh, so you said, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm supposed to write what you said. Discontentment. Right, so it's kind of the opposite of rest. I'm not at rest, I'm restless. Right, and if you're restless, then it's because you're discontent. You're always, there's always something that needs fixed, needs to be done, needs to, right? It's like I'm an outsider, so now I've got to. Got to figure that out. Um, And I'm going to say instead of secure, if I'm an outsider, I become cautious. Right? And sometimes when I ask you two questions, one of them is actually the opposite of the first one. So we sometimes you can just look at the list and say, well, what's the opposite of this? And then we can go to that. But If I'm an outsider, then I feel like I'm insecure, and then therefore I become cautious. Right? If I don't feel like I can trust Tony, if I reveal who I really am to Tony, then I feel like Tony's going to use that against me. So I'm always on pins and needles. I'm going to be cautious around Tony because if he finds out who I really am, then that's going to come back and that's going to bite me. He's going to use it against me. So therefore, I've got to be cautious, on guard. Right, and that was the one thing, Tony. You said when we first moved into this space. I said we got to be more intentional about our Sunday mornings. He said, "You mean we got to hide our crazy?" I'm like, "No, don't hide your crazy." But you got to like greet people, and you got to do things. If we have a Sunday morning space, then you got to be very intentional about that. It's like you can still be crazy. That's fine. Be who you are. You don't have to be cautious. There is a lot of crazy, but... right? Um, so I got insecure, restless, cautious, lonely, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's home, and then here we are as an outsider, right? Very few times since I left that neighborhood that I grew up in have I felt this. Very few times. Most of my life, I live here. And I don't know... If I need to get over myself, or if that's just a natural reality that we all probably wrestle with, unless we're in the neighborhood, the town, and the people group that we were born and raised with. Right? Most of us aren't. But it's interesting that I've lived in this town for 23 years, and it's nothing anybody else does. But like when we go to kid events at our our kids' elementary school, and I get in a room with people that grew up together, they went to kindergarten in this building, I immediately feel like an outsider. But Mark comes, he's like, dude, you know everybody, you're connected to everything. And Mark feels like an outsider when he's with me, observing me in this town, but then when I go to somebody that was born and raised in the same school, I feel like an outsider. And all these things become where I live. It's not because anybody's done anything. It's just our natural reality. Read with me Hebrews chapter 3. We're going to make sense of that scripturally and practically for us. Hebrews 3. Hebrews 3. 
towards the end of your Bible in the New Testament. Anybody know who wrote the book of Hebrews? Nobody knows. If you say it, you're a liar. <laughs> people speculate that the Apostle Paul may have wrote it. Uh, and then people speculate that other people wrote it. But nobody knows for sure. If you were to ask me, pin me in a corner, some days I'd want to say Paul. Some days I'd say I don't have a clue. But here we are. Chapter 3, book of Hebrews. Let's start in verse 4. Now, every house was built by someone, but the one who built everything is God. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's household, as a testimony to what would be said in the future. But Christ was faithful as a son over his household, and we are that household if we hold on to the confidence and the hope in which we boast. Christ was faithful as a son over his household, and we are the household if we hold on to the confidence and hope in which we boast. I'm going to give you, I am not a language study guy, so I'm not even going to act like it, but I saw this in Stephen's refrigerator yesterday. I saw it, so it made me think about it again. And you didn't even know what you had in your fridge. I don't. What is it? Oh, that's Amazon. If it's in your fridge, what is it? It's yogurt. If it's in your Bible, it's household. The same word that we translate yogurt, they don't actually translate it yogurt, but they branded it oikos, right? Is the same word that Paul or somebody else just wrote, and we translated it into household. It's a Greek word. A Greek word that we translate into household. And what is a household? What does it mean that we are God's household? A household is all the persons who make up the household. The household is not the brick and mortar. The household is the people. The household is not the shingles. It's not the roof. It's not the foundation. It is all the persons who make up the family or household. Very easily could have translated that we are the family of God. We are the household of God. We're the family of God. Same thing. It's all the people. And as a family, Hebrews tells us right here, we are that household if what? Verse 6. If, hold fast to the confidence and the hope in which we boast. We are a family, and this family, watch this, is rooted in the gospel. Those are roots. What was Ken trying to get back to? It's roots. What are the roots of our family? the gospel. It's the thing that makes us family, right? When we hold fast to the gospel, when we continue to believe it, to trust it, to walk in it, to live by it, to be identified by it, we become family. The beautiful thing about our family is, I've said this for a long time, we really experience the value of the church when the only thing that we have in common is Jesus. And yet we still love each other like family. We still enjoy each other like family. We have no reason to hang out. Derek, me, and you probably wouldn't cross paths in this life. But Jesus, because we're both rooted in the good news of Jesus. Now, Derek and I are connected in this really, really special everyday life sort of way. But if we were some other sort of group based on some other sort of interest, it's like whatever we're rooted in. So here we are. We're a family rooted in the gospel. Our confidence and our hope is this. We're going to summarize the gospel for you. I really wanted to have our signs hung. We'll have them hung by next week so that when your friends and enemies come, um, they'll be up. But this is, this is who we are as a family. This is what we believe as a family. This is what our confidence and our hope is as a family. We are all loved 
by the same Father. Number one, the gospel that we believe we're all loved by the same Father. Tony, your dad's my dad. Right? Not your blood dad, your spiritual father, the one who creates all things. All homes are built by someone, and God built everything, the author of Hebrews says. And not only did he build everything, but everyone, and he has loved us all. And we are all joined together because we have the same father that has the same love for each and every one of us. We have the same dad. That's why we're family. Um, The second thing is the gospel that we are rooted in. We have been served by the same son. We have been served by the same son. His name is Jesus. It says that Moses was faithful in God's house as a servant. But then he goes on to say, but Jesus has been faithful in God's house as a son. Now he's comparing Jesus and Moses just like we've done for the last five weeks. He said Moses came, but then Jesus came, and he's better than Moses. Right? It's incredible the difference, but the similarities. But he says that Jesus was faithful in God's house as a son, but the interesting thing is he humbled himself to take on the form of a servant and he became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, is what Philippians chapter 2 says. Right. So even though Jesus was the son, he became our servant. We've all been served by Jesus as he was faithful to the point of death on a cross. Okay. The third part of our gospel that we're rooted in is we are all empowered, as we believe, empowered by the same Spirit. I skip letters just so I can go back and do them out of order. Write the T before the I and I impress you with how flexible my writing skills are. We're all empowered by His Spirit to live out our identity as His children. You cannot accomplish anything without being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says you can't accomplish anything without abiding in Him as the Son. Because when you abide and you stay with Jesus, He gives you His Holy Spirit to live out your identity as a child of the Father. So what is our gospel? It's our identity in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's why we said last week, Go, therefore, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because we are all loved by the same Father. We all got the same dad. You can love me or hate me, but I'm your brother. Right? And we've all been served by the same Son. Now, I heard it said many years ago, and it kind of made me nervous because we don't like to think about Jesus like this, but he's your brother in a sense. Right? He's a son of God. He is the son of God, but we are sons and daughters of that same father. So in a sense, he is our brother. Right? Not to get too comfortable with him. But then we are empowered to live out our identity as children of God by the same spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay? That's why we have signs that say we are loved by the Father. Therefore, we love each other and others in the same way. We have been served by the Son. Therefore, we serve each other and others in the same way. And we have empowered by the Holy Spirit to proclaim good news to each other and others. Right? So we are, that's the gospel that we believe. So here we go. I believe that if we are successful at helping people find a sense of home, if we are successful in helping people live here, I believe that the oikos or the household of God, we will continue seeing a deep-rooted impact in lives that will multiply and cause a huge impact in our town. If we can help people live here as we equip them in this, I think the impact that God can do through this family will be incredible in this town.
trucking with me? You, if you grew up in a church, if you've been equipped by a church, you, you were probably equipped to make people believe this. Right? That was what you're motivated to go share the gospel, teach the gospel, get people to believe the gospel. And I'm for that. I'm all with it. All with it. But I believe that if we help people live here as we share this and help them be rooted here, I believe the impact is going to be incredibly exponentially greater. Right? Exponentially greater. If we can help them feel like family while they become rooted in the gospel. Let me ask you a question, because I'm good at that. Where do people feel most at home? With their family at home. Trick question, right? Where do, where do people feel most at home? At home, with their family. I'm with you. So the follow-up to that, or what are some of the everyday activities that create that feeling? Like if we're at home, as it, let's don't even think church right now. Think about your family. Your children, if you have them, feel most at home with you at the house. Now what are some of the everyday activities that a family does that allows children to have a sense of home? We eat every day activities. We eat as a family. Right? You hear people that are advocates for the family say, the family's gone to crap because we quit eating dinner together. Partially true, because a sense of home comes through sharing a meal together. Right? I grew up in a family that... When I walked or ran very slowly by that house that I grew up at, because I was dying by the time I got to the top of that hill. When I jogged by that house, one of the, you see all the windows. You see my bedroom window up here, and you see the living room and the dining room. One of the windows that stood out most to me was the window to the kitchen where our dining room table used to sit. Because as I walked by the driveway and I peeked into that window, I saw me and my family around the dinner table every night at 6 o'clock sharing a meal together. So that sense of home, you're right, it comes through eating a meal together. What else? What do we celebrate? As a family, what what types of things do we celebrate? Holidays. Holidays. Accomplishments. Accomplishments. Birthdays, graduations, Christmas, Easter... Babies, right? Just celebrating, celebrating as a family. That's what you do. It's one of the everyday activities that when you think about going back home, you think about, ah, remember Christmases, right? Derek said it one day that when we had, um, when we cooked out at your apartment complex, when y'all were still there, and I love that Derek said, I'm going to say this for the rest of eternity. He's like, when we showed up at your apartment apartment complex and we were grilling in the front yard, he's like, it felt like I just walked into Thanksgiving. Like, ah, that's what we're shooting for. That's a win. Because if Derek feels like he showed up to Thanksgiving, then your neighbors feel like they showed up to Thanksgiving. And if they feel like they showed up to Thanksgiving, they feel like they're at home. If they feel like they're at home, we can help them become rooted in the gospel as a part of the family. It's like, yes, that's the win. Celebration. What else? Eating, celebrating, playing. Who said that? You did. Do you remember some of these words? Celebrating, playing can also be called recreating. Some families are better at this than others. I think Mark is excellent at this as a father. I am horrible at this as a father. Right? Kids are like, let's go play. Like, ah, leave me alone. But that's what you do: recreating, playing. I remember. Same street, me and mom playing baseball out in the front yard, right? As, a, as you play together as a family, it creates that sense of home. What else? I don't know how to one-word it, but, you know, when we get home, we're excited to see everybody that's here. Yeah. 
she's come on. Like, mm-hmm. you grab your blankie, and I mean, it's you're you. Like, you mm-hmm. come in and just, yeah. Like, you just. Everything that you have to pretend and act, you know, normal in public, like, you get to go home and just. It goes back to resting. We, we rest together. We eating, celebrating, recreating, resting. It's like, how do you Sabbath together? How do you... Is it on the couch? It's like me and Shelly feels like home because when the kids are in bed, we're on the couch, just vegged out. I don't even want to talk to her. She don't want to talk to me. We're just... we're You know, how much square inch of this couch can I consume? Because we're resting together. Or it's for the kids, it's movie night. We veg out on the rug and watch a movie. We're resting. We're just being us together, finding our Sabbath in our home. Let me give you a couple more. Um, Eating, listening. Part of home is listening to one another. It's like you have somebody that, how was your day? And if you're a parent, you're asking your kid, and it's like pulling teeth. How was your day? Good. What was good about it? What happened? Tell me something. You know, it's, but you're listening. Because when Shelly tucks Micah into bed, then everything I tried to get Micah to say, now Shelly hears for 30 minutes. And Micah's like, no, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. But home, is it's listening to one another. And as we're listening to one another, we're learning stories from one another. Home is knowing one another's stories. Right? Um, recreating. And then in homes, it's blessing. Blessing one another. As we listen to each other, we know stories from one another. We know how to be a blessing to one another. Shelly became a blessing to Micah yesterday. She had a chance to take her out for hot chocolate at Starbucks, right? Why? Because she had been listening to her. And as you're listening to one another, it's like, oh, this would be a valuable thing to be a blessing to my daughter as we do that. So, everyday activities that home includes eating, celebrating, recreating, resting, listening, stories, and blessing. These are, this is just home. And when you think about your childhood, and if you think household, family, home, you could probably categorize everything you love about home into one of these things. Now, Sundays are wonderful. I love Sundays with you people. They're great. But what we did last night was better. That's why when we had the opportunity to receive this space, a lot of us were hesitant. Because we'd been kicked out of our space down the road, and we spent two months going house to house and worshiping in your living rooms. And I'm like, hey, we have an opportunity to have a space, an address, where you can invite people. And we're like, hmm. Everybody outside's like, I'm praying God would give you a location. We're like, yeah, we're good. Like, in the living room. And they're like, What? That's weird. Are you a cult? Right? It's like (laughs) nobody understands that, but but you understood it. You understood it because the church, the household of God, took on everyday space, and now these people felt like family and it felt like home. And we didn't want to screw that up by going commercial because commercial locations don't feel like residential locations. So we were very slow. So last night we implemented our missional community model where we have a monthly rotation where you host and we accomplish some of that family feel in your homes, in your neighborhoods. And that's where we can make an impact towards each other and others through everyday activities. Right? That's how we're going to continue that feeling of home together and it's also how other people can come into the family and continue to feel like home so your neighbors your friends your co-workers can come into here and feel like they've been a part of a church but they can come into the missional community and feel like they've been a part of a family and if they can feel like they belong to the family then they can be deep rooted in the gospel If they feel like they're a part of a church, they may still feel unwanted, alone, discontent, and cautious. But if we can get them from there to here, and if we can get you from there to here, then we can all grow deeper rooted into the gospel together. 
you will never be fully deep-rooted in the gospel if you live here. They're incompatible together. Incompatible. Okay. So missional communities are a chance for each other and others to experience what it's like to be part of a family. So, last question. Last question. As we prepare to host more missional communities, what's the application to these everyday activities that we can consider? This is a very brief brainstorm session for you because we got four more families committed to host over the next four months. This is a brief brainstorm. What could that look like? How could we implement everyday activities in our missional community setting so that each other and others can be in that and feel like they're at home. Because if they feel like they're at home, we can move to being deep-rooted in the gospel we believe. Everyday activities, look at that list. How could we create application to this list in our missional community? A couple things you need to think about. And then I'm going to shut up and let you answer Think about where you're at and who we have within reach. And also think about seasons that we're going to begin to go through. Because the seasons shift what we celebrate and how we recreate. Right? So we're going through spring. we got holidays coming. We're moving into summer. Recreation looks different in summer than it did in winter. So what are some of the applications we can consider in our future missional communities? We have made, and we're thinking about doing, rolling out our big slip and slide mm-hmm. and doing like a end of school slip and slide cookout there you go. for our neighborhood. Because you got a lot of kids that live around you. you got a lot of families that live around you. Weather's getting warmer. People are looking for water. End of school... People are celebrating, right? It's a natural way to gather, celebrate, recreate. And as you celebrate and recreate together, as we help them do that and anybody else comes in, they can begin to immediately, if we do well, feel what it's like to return home. Because a lot of your neighbors didn't grow up here. And they're still looking to establish a new home in a new season of life. So it's a natural way for that to happen. What else? Well, we have April, and I was wanting to do more kid activities since our neighborhood is full of children. And I, mm-hmm. kids are my people, so yep. we're going to do eggs and do hula hoops and bubbles and grown-ups like chalk, too, on sidewalks. So <laughs> that was my thought. Okay. So what, what, what else are we celebrating in April? Easter, yeah. right? So it's a natural. In August, eggs may be weird, but in April, eggs make sense. Mm-hmm. Tap into it, right? So do a neighbor. We also are considering doing a neighborhood Easter egg hunt, um, not to compete with yours, but to attach to a different people group, because y'all's neighbors, our neighbors, aren't going to migrate to cold water, but they'll walk down the road and go fishing and do an egg hunt at our house. And we got a lot of new neighbors around there as well so right great what else what else let me reflect on last night so Stephen was kind of bummed because no neighbors came we had a great time together but no neighbors came but I'm going to celebrate what did happen and what did happen was as they went and invited people to come to our grill party last night you met James James was an 83 year old man who's pretty much stuck in his house because of his health and can't go anywhere, doesn't know anybody, no family, no friends, no community whatsoever. Like the biggest part of community that he experiences is the uh, Episcopal Church bringing communion to his house so that he can partake in it. Like That's his community. And you would have never met him had you not gone to invite people to come into your home, but because you did that, you met this man, you know his story, you know his situation, and we celebrate what they had an opportunity to do. He couldn't come eat with us, but you guys got to take dinner to him after we finished grilling. right? So in that moment, even though he couldn't come into the setting that we created, you guys took home to him. And now he has probably greater security knowing his neighbors 
consider him as family. More of a sense of belonging than he did before yesterday, right? So you increase his capacity to feel like he's part of our home, right? But that never would have happened. Never would have happened had you guys not been willing to host and go around and just invite your neighbors to come eat hamburgers. But now you know. Now you know. You loved him as the Father loves us. You served him and you're making plans to continue serving him by mowing his yard as the Son has served us. And as you do those things, you will be empowered by the Spirit to live out your identity as a child of God and to proclaim good news in those... Right. Anything else? Anything else come to mind before we shut down? What's the application in our MCs to those everyday activities? So in the 4th of July fireworks, we can grill, we can celebrate, we can recreate, and if no kids blow themselves up, parents can rest. And as you rest in a lawn chair, you get to listen. And as you listen, you're learning their stories. And if you learn your neighbor's story, as you do all those other things, you can return later later, and know how to be a blessing to them. Fourth of July fireworks, Fourth of July celebrations, those types of things are incredible. Incredible at checking every box. And if we do well, people will feel a sense of home through the household of God so that we might possibly have a chance at helping them become deeper rooted in the gospel. We do all this just to have a chance. Paul says, I'm all things to all people. I do anything for everybody, right? To you, I'm a Greek. To you, I'm a Jew. I'm all things to all people so that I might see some people come to know Jesus. Right? All things to all people so that some people might be saved. So here we are. Welcome home. This is it. Funny thing is, I tried to explain this vision to us a long time ago, and you guys weren't ready, so I became frustrated. But after we spent two months going house to house, you get it now. You're like, huh, that makes sense. It's so easy. We can do that. We can do that. Number one, let me finish you with this thought. We need to do well at each other, making sure each other live there. We need, to, we need to make sure that, Derek, you get to belong, that you feel secure in this family, that as we live life together, you guys are at rest with each other. Because if we can live there with each other, then others can move in and, and fit into that same space. But if we don't have that with each other, we're of no value to others. Now, I'm not saying we get our junk in order before we ever expose and invite. No, it's just, it's a continual, continual nurturing of this family. That's all it is. You don't get there and say, we're there. We don't have to nurture that anymore. No, it's, it's continual. What's the number one thing about family that you won't forget? It's all the screaming matches. It's all the bruises and broken arms and... Arguments with siblings. I don't want to paint a picture of the church that says that stuff doesn't exist either. There's going to be some tense moments as a family if we honestly live this out. We're going to have to have hard conversations. We're going to have to have discipline like any family does. But it always produces growth when you do it well. Anybody got any closing thoughts, comments, questions? I asked Ken before I left him. I asked him about his spiritual beliefs. I said, Ken, do you have any spiritual beliefs? He said, yeah. (laughs) 
Tell me about him, kid. He's like, I got him. I got him. So here's a man 10 months away from his deathbed. Uh, he said, yeah, I've been to church. I've done that, yeah. And then he gave me some story about how he was burned and bitter and didn't need it anymore. I said, I get that. I get that. Completely do. And I don't argue with people because their story is legit. I don't want to minimize it. But I was able to ask Ken this one question, this one question, I don't know where it came from other than God. And I said, Ken, let me ask you this. I said, what if there was a church that felt less like church and more like home? Would you want to be a part of that? He said, I'd be there today. I'd be there today. We don't have a chance with Ken anymore. Odds are he has passed. But I think his story represents stories that are all around us. And I think God's put us here in this community. He's put you on your street, in your neighborhood, because you're surrounded by people that long for this. They actually long for this, but they don't know it. They don't know it. Because this has always come through this. And it's a turnoff. It's a frustration. Okay. Would you be a part of a church that felt more like home? Absolutely. Now at that point I had to say, well in a month from now, we're going to have a party at my house. But now we don't have to say that anymore. We don't have to hold to one missional community a month. We can host as many as you guys are willing to host. We just set structure so that it would continue to happen. You don't have to have everybody gather in order to do these things. It could be a natural flow and rhythm of life. Okay. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the love that you have poured out on us that while we were yet sinners, you have loved us.